the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's get to it on a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are now closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That is a good thing. The weather should be pretty nice today. Some scattered rain around the area, but uh, not anything that's going to start falling and keep falling all day long. So keep that in mind. I do know this. Last night, I guess it was, uh, the uh, humidity rate went right through the ceiling. It was like it was a nice day. The humidity was down some, and then all of a sudden, all the humidity came back in spades. We, we, uh, I went out to Walmart last night at about, I guess it was eight o'clock or so. That last minute thing, I had to pick up and pick up some razor blades, and ran over there. And all the windows were just covered in condensation because of uh, the humidity level had gone on. And it was like you walked from outside, which wa- it wasn't real hot outside. It just felt like, you know, like your, your shirt and whatnot uh, was totally, you know, uh, wet. It walked in and it was cold in the store. I mean, really cold in the store. In fact, it was the same way at the house. I wouldn't turn the air conditioner down. You know, I've never figured that out. Do you say you're turning the air conditioner down if you're wanting to, you know, warm it up, or are you turning it up so that you're turning the cold air coming into your house down? (laughs) I get in my head sometimes as you just stay out of that place. It's kind of dangerous in there. But anyway. I was just I warmed it up in the house by about four degrees, five degrees to be honest. All right, so um, I'm taking a look here and seeing if there's anything that we need to know. Um, experts are saying now that that uh, video of those police officers say that it looks like they might have been a little excessive. You think? I mean, just at, at just at first glance. You know, I don't know what went on before. I don't know what went on after. All I know is that, uh, you know, this was something that turned into kind of a nasty kind of thing. And all of us have seen it now. After you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Know that. And uh, it is pretty doggone graphic uh, when you look at it and you look at what those guys, those police officers were doing. Uh, I'm allowing the investigation to uh, uh, continue, and if 
you know, uh, I'm taking a look here. This is a story here. Attorneys for the man who was beaten during violent arrests in Arkansas have spoken out. And uh, THV 11 uh, had a story on that. Attorneys for Randall Worcesters uh, speak out on their hopes for his future and his health. Two Crawford County deputies were suspended. A Mulberry police officer is on administrative leave after a video surfaced showing a violent arrest causing outrage on social media. Uh, in the video, the three law enforcement officers are seen on top of uh, this guy, allegedly using excessive force at a uh, convenience store in Mulberry on Sunday. Uh, attorneys Kerry uh, Jernigan and David Powell are representing the guy who was beat up. Originally, the uh, day after the arrest, he was arraigned and given a public uh, defender. But around noon the same day, it was revealed that uh, attorneys uh, Jernigan and Powell would represent him. He uh, was released from jail uh, Monday afternoon. They say that Worcester had multiple scratches on his face and knees and that he complained of pain in his head. They described the right side of his face as purple and swollen. Said Paul, he seems to be in good spirits. Obviously, he's still sore. Believe he's maybe more sore today than he was yesterday, but but he indicates that he has faith in the process and we think it's in good hands. I am obviously glad for my client that someone did pull out there and their camera phones able to capture this. Powell said, otherwise, we may never have known what happened to him. I think it could have gotten much worse because I think the brutality was escalating. I'm just thankful she stood up for what she believed in. According to the attorneys, Worcester mentioned it essentially being an attack on the grounds on the ground for what seemed like a couple of minutes. There just has to be a point where if the ability to subdue once that ends, you cannot use excessive force. It violates the Fourth Amendment that is to protect us from excessive force against law. Our hope is there's not a trial because charges will not be formally filed. Uh, If there is a trial in this situation, I hope it's one of the officers. According to court documents, in July 2021, Worcester was charged with assaulting a police officer in Oklahoma City after several calls were made of a man matching his description attempting to jump in front of vehicles. The responding officer saw Worcester step towards a vehicle that was passing And when he attempted to guide Worcester away from the road and toward his patrol car, he struck the officer in the face with a closed fist, according to the probable cause uh, affidavit. So uh, a lot of this will play into whatever went on. We don't we only know what was going on on the ground. We don't know what led up to the uh, altercation and. we know what the outcome has been now as far as, you know, the, the wheels of justice are turning and investigation is ongoing. But I won't say that they are, uh, you know, 
right that it's excessive force until I know all of the uh, all the things that uh, are are the problem. A uh, Arkansas deputy seen hitting a man in a video is accused of excessive force by two officers. Two uh, Arkansans are claiming one of the Crawford County deputies seen hitting a man in a video also used excessive force during their recent arrest. Uh, Two others have uh, come forward about their violent encounters with one of the Arkansas deputies seen on the video beating a man during uh, his arrest. Both claim... These have happened within the last month. Now, all of this stuff that we're hearing about secondhandedly right now is going to come out in the investigation. So, uh, again, I I ask you not to rush to any judgment until you know. Uh, Attorneys for Randall Woodchester, who was... uh, The man in the video being arrested by Crawford County deputies Levi White and Zach Taylor and Mulberry police officer Theo Riddle held a press conference days after the video was released. The Department of Justice has now launched a civil rights investigation into the arrest. In the video, the uh, deputies are seen holding... Uh, This guy down on the ground, kneeling on him, and one deputy in particular identified as Deputy White, slamming his face on the ground. And again, more of the same that we just heard. Uh, Wallace says the deputies beat him in the head, similar to the attack on Worcester. I would resist, too, if I was tased, Wallace said during the press conference. Well, if you got tased, something led up to the tasing. Just just know that, okay? We have to find out what happened. He says he was hit in the head too many times to count and was dragged out of his yard and taken to jail. Uh, Jernigan says the officer made the decision not to send Wallace to the hospital But EMS was called to the jail to check his injuries. Wallace says his head was split open and he was covered in bruises and scratches. He says without a doubt that it was Deputy White who beat him during the arrest. Tammy Nelson, who also lives in Rudy, Arkansas, says that on August 14th, Deputy White responded to her home for a civil matter. She says she videotaped their interaction for uh, protection and that White grabbed her by her right arm, swung her around, and threw her phone to the ground. He then allegedly wrapped his arm around her neck, dropped her to the ground, and kneed her in the side. Nelson says even when her nightgown rose up, leaving her half-naked, White continued to smash her face into the ground as she tried to cover herself. I felt disrespected, violated as he was on top of me, Nelson said, wiping away tears. He then reportedly yanked her up to her feet while she continued to, uh, it says she continued to white what she was being, and I I don't know what this is, something missing here. I guess it's supposed to be she continued to ask white what she was being arrested for, she says he did not respond. Nelson says he was, she was put into the back seat of his patrol vehicle and told she, was, she had the right to remain silent. 
She says he left her in the car with no AC and the windows up. She was held for four to five hours before being booked on harassment and obstruction of operation charges. Nelson says that deputies told her family that she was not being arrested and was just being held at their facilities. She says Sheriff Jimmy DeMonte allegedly knew nothing about the incident leading to her being held at the jail. He allegedly told her that she was resisting. He dragged me so fast that even if I wanted to, there was no time to resist, Nelson said. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff, and uh, just know that this is not out of any kind of... uh, of, uh, investigation other than investigation um, by what the media is looking for so again i'll be waiting for the uh, the investigation to be reported on i don't know when that's going to be when it is we'll uh, we'll give you all of that information uh, as well but uh, as it stands right now there's a whole lot of stuff that's out there from people that say that they were abused by this one deputy. Uh, You got one deputy that's being uh, even fingered by some other deputies that the guy uh, used a lot of excessive force. So that's that's where we're standing right now on all of this. All right, we got to get our first break in and get uh, get going here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I thought I'd bring you up on that because everybody's talking about it. Everybody ran to their phone, I'm sure, to take a look at the video. And, uh, you know, the video is pretty, you know, it's pretty damning looking, there's no doubt. But from being a former newspaper man and covering stories, I can tell you there's more to this than we're being told right now. Uh, there's stuff that happened that led up to it. There's stuff that happened that we were seeing, and there's stuff that happened after it. So uh, we've got to wait until you hear everything. East End, uh, East End Towing wants you to know they're ready to help you if you need help. Uh, that help could be that, you know, your you engine just stopped, you overheated on the side of the road, you need to get to a mechanic. Uh, they can help you with that. Could be that uh, you're on some private property. Suddenly, uh, the person that owns the property says, you shouldn't be on my property. You're not taking your car anywhere. So there's all kinds of things you can run into. And East End Towing, because they are so, uh, you know, committed to knowing what's going on as far as what you can and can't do when you're called in to take care of somebody's vehicle or their, their trailer or their camper. I mean, they're Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed. They're insured uh, as a tow operation. And every one of their trucks is permitted. They're the people you want to use. I mean, you know, anything bad goes by, they've got coverage to cover their losses and yours as well. So no matter the situation, Easton Towing can handle it. They've got all the answers for you, and you'll want to call them. So in your, your phone, under towing or whatever, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. That is the phone number to East End Towing. All right, so uh, they've uh, started a program here in central Arkansas wanting you, as uh, you're out on the road, 
and I'm not talking about necessarily you who are driving on the roads, but if you're anywhere around the road, if you're crossing a street or whatever, to pay attention of uh, automobiles. I think I don't have to sit here and spend time on the air explaining to you that whoever is behind the wheel of a car is at, at the advantage uh, in a situation if the two of you uh, somehow collide. So you want to keep that in mind. But if you are driving an automobile, you know, pay attention. Get off your phone. All right? Leave the phone alone while you're driving around. I uh, I will not text when I'm driving. Uh, to do so is to ask for for trouble because you're going to take your you're going to take your uh, you know your eye off the road, uh, and it doesn't take long to travel a significant distance, and somebody to do something maybe you aren't expecting, and uh, end out end up in your lane for some reason. I, I mean I can't tell you how many people I see driving in early in the morning, heading in here to do the show. And uh, they're flying down the road at, you know, 70, 75, 80 miles an hour. And they're not looking at the road. They're looking at the phone that's in their hand. You know, leave that alone. Stay off of it. And if you're going to use it and call somebody, I highly recommend... You know, you, you you get some, you know, you can get apps now uh, that will allow you to use your phone in your car uh, and you don't have to, you know, sit down and ask, to, you know, put the, put the number in and all of that. Uh, and you can talk on the phone and uh, not have to even use your hands. I mean, when I bought my car, uh, and I bought my car 13 years ago, uh I got Bluetooth on it. At that time, it was the thing to get. Uh, now, you know, you got all kinds of entertainment gizmos and, and uh, you know, abilities to contact people while you're driving and things down the road uh, without having to take your eyes off the road nor, uh, you know, taking your hands off the wheel. So I highly recommend if you can do that, that uh, you have Bluetooth in your car and you hook your phones up so that if somebody calls you, you can answer them and uh, not have to use your hands to do that. Or if you're calling somebody, you can ask uh, your phone to call the person and you can get in touch with them. You can talk to them. There's speakers that are up in the, the, the topper and uh, you can talk to them while you're moving down the road now that's the only time that i'll talk on my phone i i will not text on my phone in fact typically i put uh, my uh, my phone uh set up so that it says you know before i i take off down the road uh if you try to call me or you text me you're going to get hit back and it's going to say uh, hey i'm i'm driving right now and I'll call you when I get home, and uh, there'll be a voicemail like that. Or uh, you'll get a text that says basically the same thing. I typically just use whatever uh, the people who made my phone um, has already stored in my phone to be used. So that's what you're going to get. I just uh, I just am not going to answer 
the phone. That's just the way it is. You know, you're going to drive on down the road, you know, seeing that beautiful horizon out there, doing my thing, and knowing that nothing can be happening, that I can have any kind of, um, you know, reaction to and and do anything with uh, by, you know, taking my eyes off the road and putting myself and others uh, at risk. So I would highly recommend that you take care of, of that and be very, very careful out on the highway because you're moving. I mean, you might not think you're covering a lot of territory, but you are. You really are. Uh, so, uh, you know, be careful out there. Be careful about that. Have you heard this story? Uh, we'll talk about it when we come back about this book in Louisville, Kentucky. I'll tell you about it. Uh, when we come back and, and talk further uh, about it, because it's it's a serious story. Uh, it's it's going on in in different parts of the country, and uh, in some parts of the country, you know, I understand that the people, the book that they're wanting to get rid of, is kind of ridiculous, like uh, Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn or something. But there's others that are just plain pornography that parents really have a worry about. Back with you. Don't forget about David Lucas Financial. I've been telling you for weeks now with inflation uh, raging in our country and the money that uh, you have in your nest egg losing money daily that, uh, you know, you probably want to add precious metals to your mix so that you can uh, try to protect against the ravages of inflation. But to add silver or gold, you need to know what you're doing, and that's where David Lucas Financial steps in. I've known David for years now. Used to be a member of my power panel. Then uh, would fill in on my show from time to time. Now he has his own show on Saturday and Sunday right here on uh, The Answer and at other radio stations in the city, you know, keeping people uh, abreast of how you go about protecting your uh, retirement savings. So uh, give them a call and, and talk to a guy who has the information you need to know uh, about silver and gold. 501 222 3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory service offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right. So that's uh, something that you need to keep in mind. And, I, you know, before I would buy gold or start investing any extra money into my uh, savings, I uh, would talk to David Lucas to make sure that by the time you come out of the other end that you got the same amount of money or a little bit more. You might not have a lot more, but you might have a little a bit more. You don't want to lose, uh, you know, what you got in there. I mean, I learned that the hard way back uh, a little 10 years ago. I took a, took a bath with 401K and some other stuff that I had. All right, so uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky, since uh, July, uh, they have been battling over a book called Gender Queer. Uh, it was uh, challenged uh, months prior, and in a July 28th hearing, uh, had the final stage of the process, 
the mom now expects to be notified on the district's decision at some point in De- in September. It's amazing it takes this this much time to come to a decision on this. Um, a uh, Dr. Reynolds, who's the head of uh, media and libraries there at Jefferson County uh, Public School District, said in defense of the book that the main challenge of this book is obscenity. But now now she, she falls back on an old, old argument about obscenity that, um, you know, obscenity can't be defined. But anyway, and it can be. Uh, you can you can dis, de, define obscenity uh, with the people in your community, um, but obscenity, she said, quoting, could be viewed differently. No one else gets to decide what you consider to be obscene. Unquote. But I would think that you get to decide what a kid can see. Uh, and if it's obscene or not. Let me just ask this. She talks about no one can decide what is obscene or can identify it. And uh, the person who's been, and it's always seems like it's like one person uh, that takes on the, you know, picks up their shield and sword and takes on these people that just won't use some common sense uh, about books like this. And, uh, they said, you know, I, I talked to school principals, school leadership teams, shared the book with them, let them look at it, read it. And uh, even the Jefferson County Public School superintendent said it was obscene. They've all said that it's obscene. Uh, graphic photos of oral sex, dildos, strap-ons, and there's even ads for porn sites uh, in this book. Now, I'm sorry. Let's just use some common sense here. Uh, I, I think that, that you can do that. And you know that, uh, you know, having pictures and, uh, and uh, you know, showing how to use dildos and stuff is probably something you shouldn't have in the school library. Period. Should just should not be there. Uh, if you want to go read that, uh, may I suggest that you know you jump on Amazon or or one of the other uh, internet uh, providers and and go buy it from them. Add it to your own personal library. But I think that most commonsensical people would say, you know what, that doesn't belong in it elementary school library just doesn't belong there so um, I'll bring you up to date on that as well Uh, the the thing that bothered me the most though is is Dr. Reynolds um, said that uh, you know what she said this reminds me of the book burning campaign in 1933 in Nazi Germany in which university students burned 25,000 titles in Berlin's open square. Seems to me that's a little bit of, of uh, you know, of uh, overstating your argument. Let's just put it that way. Try to, try to put it that way uh, for this one. Dr. Lynn Reynolds, she's the executive director of Library Media Services at the Jefferson County Public Schools. 
And uh, I think she should be ashamed of herself, to be honest. Again, I kind of understand the hill that she's standing on and what she's fighting against. But I would, if I had a chance to just sit down and look at her and talk to her, I would say, is this the hill that you want to make your final stand on and fall on your sword? I know I wouldn't, not for a piece of trash like this. Uh, And then to bring up the book-burning campaign that targeted works by Jewish authors, um, foreign influences and things of that nature, I think that we can look and if you take it into the context of what was happening in history at that time, we can say that that's not uh, something that you bring up when you're talking about a book called Gender Queer that's got pictures of dildos and, uh, you know, oral sex and strap-ons in it. Just don't think that that is, like I said, it's not like you can't get the book anymore. You know, the book burnings in Nazi Germany were for the whole country. Nobody could have those books. They burned them uh, in the square. And if they found them and it was on that list, no matter where they were at, uh, they were uh, destroyed. Uh, This here, they want to put it in a public school. All they're saying is it shouldn't be in a public school. not saying that you shouldn't be able to buy it if you want to buy it. As far as that goes. And to be honest, I don't think we'll probably find a 10-year-old that's going to go on um, probably over there on uh, Amazon and and buy them a copy of the book. But if it was available on the school library shelves, uh, being inquisitive, uh, you would, you know, pick it up. Uh, These are just sexually charged things that are, you know, in this book, you know, and it's not only it's not only happening uh, at times in schools in like Kentucky, but in Oregon as well. Uh, you got a, you know, school nurses trying to stop uh, certain books from being out on the on the shelves of of school libraries uh, in Oregon in Portland. They're trying to get rid of one called Flamer. Uh, which is a derogatory term for, uh, you know, homosexual uh, uh, men. And uh, this book uh, goes into depth of what homosexual men do for, um, you know, sexual pleasure. I, I just don't think that that's stuff that the schools, number one, should be teaching, and uh, number two, uh, putting into elementary Libraries, elementary school libraries, even high school libraries, for God's sake. You know, like I said, they're not making it illegal to buy it on Amazon. So if uh, if you're a parent and you think your child needs to read that kind of crap, then that's, uh, that's up to you, all right? And if you want to buy a copy for your household, you know, mo- more power to you. I think you lost your ever-loving mind, but... Uh, that uh, that's up to you. All right, uh, we got to get a break in. Uh, last break of this hour, 
And and by the way, I know some people have you know sent me texts and so Dave, why are you talking about this? So this happened in Oregon or Kentucky because it's it, it the fight is there. We've had this fight already in many instances here in the state of of Arkansas. Lori Lee, who I have on here, who you know uh, is in, in charge of a of a, a nonprofit group fighting for public education and fighting for f- school choice. That's how she got involved in all of this up in uh, northwest Arkansas in Fayetteville and what they were doing uh, up there. And she got involved in it up there, and that went on for several years. How do I know? She was on my show. She said, I think about 2001 is when that all got underway. And so it's it's all over the country. It, this is a fight that uh, pops up all over the country, and it ha- you know we've got to get involved and do the fighting if it uh, presents itself. All right, when we come back in the next hour, we're going to have Congressman Hill and Congressman uh, uh, Westerman. That's who will be talking to us. And in our final hour of the show today at 9 o'clock, uh, one of my favorite conservative lawmakers serving right now uh, in the uh, the state uh, house and the state uh, as a representative, Robin Lundstrom from Northwest Arkansas, will join us in the nine o'clock hour. But we still got a little bit of time to talk about some stuff here this hour. And uh, before we uh, get to the break, let me tell you about PI Roofing, what they can do for you. Uh, they can save you money. They've done that for me. Uh, I uh, had my roof done just recently, over the last few months, in fact, because of a hailstorm that we had in Cabot area. And I just called uh, P.I. Roofing at, uh, you know, 501-707-3551. That's the number I call. That's the number you should call. Uh, It's just everybody's number, I mean, that you can use. It's not like a special number somehow. They get you into the front of the class or you know, put you at the front of the line or whatever, it's so you can say, hey, can you guys come out and take a look at my roof and tell me what needs to be done? And and if something needs to be done, can you work with my insurance policy people and, you know, the the appraiser that comes out, let them talk and, and talk, uh, you know, literally shingles and nails and, uh, you know, find out what needs to be uh, replaced, get them uh, to agree to it, and um, save me some money. Maybe I don't have to pay the deductible, or maybe you won't have to pay a deductible. Maybe there's something that is wrong on your uh, uh, your roof or whatever. It's not something that would leak or cause problems, and so you decide that you're going to pass over that. And so you do, and uh, but it, uh, it, you know, you're saving the, the the insurance company some money, and they'll move that money around and things, and take care of other stuff for you. And that's uh, that's a good thing, and that's because uh, the folks at PI Roofing understands roofing from A to Z. They know it all. I mean, they know it all, and they'll help you with it. And again, they'll save you money, and give you professional work, and you won't have to be worried about any leaks in your house. And it should be the last uh, roof you got to put on your house. That's PI Roofing. Call them again. Here's the number again. Let me give it to you one more time. 501-707-3551. Joel Johnson and his crew will do a good job for you. Or you can just visit them online at piroofing.com. 
We continue. I was telling you as we went through that story about what was going down in Louisville that this has been going on all over the place. It's uh, happening right now. There's a big fight in Milwaukee uh, about uh, sexually charged uh, books uh, that are there for, uh, you know, uh, elementary school kids all the way up through high school uh, and uh, not uh, what I consider uh, appropriate. I I said certain. Here's here here's what I think would would go a long way of taking care of this. Instead of having to opt out, I think everybody should have to opt in. It should be made very clear uh, by the school system. There should be a student handbook. Most schools have them that I know of, uh, and uh, it's that part of of. Uh, of what they're going to have in their school library should be talked about. And uh, and if it's going to be taught in class classes, and the parents should know what it is, they should be able to look at the material, they should be able to view it, and then uh, if they don't want their children to have any part in it, uh, they should be able to opt, uh, they should have to opt in it if they want their kids to take part of it. In other words, you got to get the parents to look at the material and decide uh, if they want their children to learn this material or not. And if, uh, you know, if your school board doesn't want to do that, they don't, they, they're always wanting to opt out. You know, opt out means, you know, it's, it's on the parent uh, to have to just say no. Can't, I don't want my kid to do it. There's a difference be say, between saying get them out of that class and put them in that class. There's a difference in those two actions. Know that. Uh, and uh, in school, uh, just uh, will not bend, then I'm going to suggest to you that somehow you try to figure out how to get your kid out of those school systems. Your, ch- your child doesn't need to be in a school system that wants to, uh, you know, brainwash them. Because at that point, that's what it seems like to me. You, maybe you disagree with me, and, and that's fine. I just think it's, it's brainwashing at that time. That's why I'm excited and hoping uh, that the legislature, when they get together next year for the general session, will really wrestle and put... Uh, school choice, real school choice, where the money follows the student uh, into to work here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, you just really shouldn't have to make that. De- you shouldn't have to make that decision, but it, it's to the point now that you have. And I remember when the whole, you know, uh, sexual thing started. It was health class when I was in in school. And uh, they separated the boys and the girls to teach them about, and at that time, most of it was teaching them about plumbing. And, uh, you know, uh, boy, a boy has this, uh, a girl has that, and, you know, that kind of stuff. It wasn't saying, hey, let, let me, let's talk a little bit about this, about using a dildo. Do you know what a dildo is? You know? Where's Eddie Murphy when I need him on Saturday Night Live, you know, getting up there and, and uh, I mean, the best the best way to combat this stuff is through satire and comedy. Uh, 
and uh, you know we could we could do a, the whole thing about the slum landlords in New York City if you could you could make that funny. I'm sure you can make having this kind of a book make it funny, but uh, that's not that's not what the left wants to do. The de- the left is working hard at normalizing uh, what they're showing to you and what they're showing to the kids. And a lot of these books that uh, that they list are books about, you know, the, the girl is a lesbian and she's on her journey to find out about her lesbianism. And uh, they talk, uh, they have pictures of, of lesbian acts and things of that nature. Same thing with, you know, uh, boys and, and gay acts between them. Getting in touch with their gayness, so to speak. That's the kind. Of, I just kind of say. I just don't think that schools should be involved in that. Let uh, let parents be involved in that with their kid, and not the schools. You know, I think that that's the that's the common sense way of dealing with it. And I I know I can hear the people on the other side. Yeah, but that's the problem. They don't take it. They don't do that. They tell them it's wrong. Well, maybe it is wrong. Ever thought of that? Could be that it is wrong. And it's up to those families, and it's up to those parents to uh, help the child make those decisions. All right. With all that said, time for us to get a break in and get the news. And then uh, we are going to sit down and uh, talk with uh, Congressman Hill when we come back. Talk to him about this, uh, you know, getting rid of uh, uh, inflation by spending more money. I don't know how it works, but maybe he can explain it to me. And and uh, what's going on with President Trump, what he thinks about the fall elections, all of that. We'll talk to him about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And then at 635, we'll talk to Congressman Westerman as well from the 4th District. Let's take a quick break. Back with you with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. second hour we are propelled and it's good to be here with you on a wednesday hump day middle of the week day over the hill day closer to friday than we were on monday and uh, at this time every week normally we're joined by congressman french hill and we're joined up with him again you're up in uh, washington dc today uh, congressman morning dave no i'm in god's country here in arkansas oh good Good for you. Are, are you guys basically done now until after election? Uh, well, we're done until after Labor Day. And okay. then we'll go back and see what uh, Speaker Pelosi can cook up to <laughs> stir up the troops in September. Yeah, that's what she's going to try to do. Stir them up for the election come up in November. It's not that far away. So let's talk about that. You know, it, it's been pretty well assumed that there's going to be a big wed, uh, wed, red 
uh, wave coming in uh, November because of gas prices, because of grocery prices, because of inflation. It's what we're talking about and talking about a lot of other things that are going on in, in the country, crime and all the rest. But all of a sudden, here in just the last couple of weeks, the drums are beating differently, and there's a lot of people talking about, well, it might not be a red wave. It might be just a little red splash. And for the life of me, I don't know what they're seeing that's changing everybody's idea about what's coming up in November. Can you explain this to me? Why all of a sudden? Is, is it a, a technique going on right now? Maybe the Republicans are saying this so that people won't get complacent? Well, I think it's a Democratic spin on mainstream media. Joe Biden, by passing the Inflation Production Act a couple of weeks ago, now has uh, personally greenlighted $5 trillion in extra spending okay. over his first 18 months. And uh, gas prices were down in July, and I think that the Democrats are taking a victory lap. Boy, it's just fantastic. He spent $5 trillion. He's the most successful president ever. Gas prices are coming down. And uh, I really think it's spin on their part. When, when you talk to families, they can barely uh, get by. Their real wages are falling despite rising salaries. Gas is 44% higher than it was last summer. And things are really worse at the grocery store. That's what I hear from folks. And so if you're on a fixed income and retired, or if you're a struggling family raising kids, you're really being hurt by this Biden inflation. Well, I, you know, to be honest, just from a, my point of view, I uh, would go to the store and every other week and maybe I wanted to get the family together and and, tell, and the best way to do that is to offer them free food and uh, I throw a you know a pork uh, pot roast into a, a slow cooker or whatever and we'd have uh, have roast and potatoes and things of that nature well guess what over the last couple of months we've not done that in my my household because beef is just too Stinking high. I don't go out and buy a beef roast right now. Can't afford it. It's that simple. No, I mean, I get letters from my constituents right here in central Arkansas talking about the trade-offs they make. Not driving uh, any discretionary distance, so they've got money to go to the pharmacy for the monthly pharmacy uh, bill for their badly needed pharmaceuticals, or a lot of substitutions, uh, people buying chicken instead of uh, steak. And it just goes on and on as people get ready to go back to school, buy back-to-school clothes. People are really economizing, and it's all not because they're out of work, but it's because they're out of money, and yeah. that is because of this inflation. Yeah, and do you see any end in sight? I mean, they say, hey, it, it was only uh, it was down a little bit over this last month. In fact, the president said 0% in inflation in the last month, which was just a lie. Uh, that's all it was. I mean, what, no, I what are you saying? Dave. I see it's stubborn. I mean, it, to 8.5%, that's four times uh, what the Fed target of 2% is, which is still 2% inflation. I've never understood why they said a 2% inflation uh, in theory. But nonetheless, that's four times their target. And when uh, people were polled on their expectations for inflation a year from now, 
business owners and business people and investors, uh, they came up with 6%. So inflation is stubborn. It's here. And all this spending that the government's done, the semiconductor bill, the uh, Inflation Production Act last week, the infrastructure bill, all that is just going to fuel a demand for short supplies. And so I just, I'm, I'm right now I don't see an, any end to inflation in the short run. Okay, so with that in mind, what are you expecting today from the president about student loan debt? This is another, uh, this is just classic Democratic policy. Why do we have a trillion dollars in student loan debt? No one ever asked that question. You know why? Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Because Barack Obama said, we're going to start lending money to people without asking any questions. No underwriting. They don't have to be qualified to pay it back. Right. We're going to lend them money and the fees and interest we generate on those loans. What will that pay for? Obamacare. Did any of that happen? Nope. That program is a loss, and a trillion dollars our families are in debt to the federal government due to President Obama. So now his vice president, our president, Joe Biden, says, oh, my gosh, it's such a burden, these uh, debts you can't pay back. Why don't we just forgive them? Well, what about all the people who didn't take out a debt, who had two or three jobs to try to put themselves through school? Or what about the people who paid their loan back? So I just don't support this kind of forgiveness approach. I support if people want to have their employer pay their loan off as a condition of their employment, if they're doing a good job, like a benefit, I support that kind of thing. I support uh, loans being paid off over time if they do public service, if they work uh, for the uh, state or local government in some capacity. But this is just bad economic policy. I think it's a bad signal to young people. And wow, what would I think about if I'd worked my tail off for decades paying my loan back and here comes Joe to forgive it? I, I don't know. It's just a terrible policy position. Well, listen, the, the, the millennials don't want to hear from me because I'm a baby boomer anyway. But um, when I went to college, you didn't get it through the government. You got it through a bank. And you better be able to prove that you needed it and that you could pay it back. Yeah, and look, I think uh, student aid offices, they've got a lot of responsibility over this 12 years of misery from the Obama student loan crisis because they push this debt on a lot of families. Oh, hey, you can put your rent in there. You can put your car payment in there while you're in school. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's immoral. It's not proper. It's terrible financial illiteracy. Uh, and so now Joe is going to come behind and, and try to get votes this fall uh, for that. And I don't think it's constitutional that he can do it. This is, gets back to the powers of the executive on faithfully executing the law. And there is discretion there. But this is the same kind of discretion that got Obama, I think, in terrible hot water. We're still dealing with it over DACA, Deferred Action Program for Kids who came to our country uh, with parent, you know, uh, were either born to illegal parents, well, not born, but they came to our country as little children from illegal parents, and they turn 18, and, and uh, Obama says 11 million of them can become citizens. Yeah, with a snap well, of fingers, that, just no, like that. No, that, that. You can't do that. That's not constitutional. It's not a small discretion in the executive. It's a massive policy change, and that's the same here. I, I believe Speaker Pelosi's on record saying that 
the president can't forgive student loan debt. And bon- he can delay payments, but he can't forgive it. AP is reporting that uh, $10,000 per student and that the American pa- uh, taxpayer is now poised to foot a nearly $300 billion deal with President Biden, and he's expected to make that announcement today. Now, this is spending money. Whether you like it or not, it's spending money. This can't help inflation either, can it? No, and it doesn't help the, uh, you know, it just makes the federal budget deficit bigger. He's going to claim it's down. It's down from the abyss in the pandemic. It's not down to do anything he's done. That's the most ridiculous argument from the White House you can have. So you're going to make the budget deficit worse. You're going to create this uh, immoral position. Uh, it's just a bad all around. And I guess in theory, if you're an Obamacare supporter, you're gutting one of the payment sources for Obamacare, which I don't think is true, but you can take that argument, too. Yeah, well, we're going to gut Medicaid and Medicare. We might as well do that, too, I guess, as far as the Democrats are concerned. So let's uh, talk more when we come back. we got to get a break in. We're talking to Congressman uh, uh, French Hill. I want to talk to him about crime in America because it's terrible. We can talk about what's going on here just in the state of Arkansas. That's coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis. He wants to talk to you about health care insurance. One thing that Pat and I talk about all the time is uh, an old saying that President Jefferson used to say. He's the first one to say it, and then Gerald Ford picked it up, and that is, uh, you know, a government big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything away. And uh, when you look at what the government has done as far as health care, this is a good example. Uh, If it had not been put into this last let's get rid of inflation bill uh, that they just uh, passed and and that they're pushing is the the be all to end all uh, for inflation it's a lie to you uh, but part of that money that they're going to use is going to continue to allow them to give subsidies to people to be able to buy the health insurance uh, off of uh, for uh, you know Obamacare I don't know if you knew that or not but yeah that's in the bill Without that part of that being in the bill, the government was not going to have money to pay for subsidies. And this is something that uh, has been uh, uh, out there and that Pat Davis has been warning about. And that uh, sooner or later, the subsidies will go away. And right now, Pat can save you on your health care insurance uh, by 30 to 50 percent. And uh, you're going to need that savings when it gets to the point that you're not getting anything from the government to help you buy these overpriced and inflated health care costs. So give him a call and talk to him now before you're up against the wall. You know, don't let yourself get backed into a corner. 501-605-6935 is the phone number. And uh, you can visit him online as well at yourhealthplanman.com. Well, before we get back to uh, Congressman Hill, this news just breaking in the sports community. 
And if you're a baby boomer, for sure, you know this name, Lynn Dawson, who was the legendary quarterback who led the Kansas City Chiefs to a Super Bowl, was also on HBO for years talking about NFL football, uh, has died. Uh, He was 87 years old, a great ball player, no doubt, Lynn Dawson dead at 87. With that said, let's move back to talking with Congressman French Hill. Uh, And uh, we talked about inflation in the first segment uh, and uh, how the Democrats just keep on doubling down on how much money they're spending. And uh, you keep on doing that, and inflation is going to go up. And I, I believe that it's going up this month. The only thing that's mitigating this is that you're not driving as much, and uh, industry is not producing as much. So they're not using as much oil uh, right now, and that's driving the price of gasoline down somewhat uh, about 44 cents over the last uh, month and a half or so. but And thank God for that. I mean, it, it, it was hurting me. I don't know about you, but it was hurting me. Uh, it's kind of nice. I went to Sam's the other, do- the other day. It was $3.08 a gallon at Sam's over in Sherwood. So that, uh, that was a nice uh, little respite that I got on a few tanks of gas here uh, recently. But let's talk about something else that is on everybody's mind as we go into this November election time. And I think it may, it may uh, doom uh, Mayor uh, Scott getting uh, reelected, and that's crime. Crime is up. Everywhere, It's not just happening in Chicago and uh, New York and L.A. It's happening here uh, in Little Rock and Pine Bluff and all across the state of Arkansas as well, uh, Congressman. What is to be done about this? Well, of course, first and foremost, we've got to fund our police department, make sure we have officers that are trained, provide the morale they need, make sure that they have the esprit de corps, that their profession is honored so that they can keep uh, their numbers up and their training uh, up. Uh, That's a key issue. That's number one. We can do that locally. Number two, we need to not let criminals out of jail that are uh, hardened criminals, that are repeat offenders, that have used a gun, that have uh, committed uh, a major crime. Because when you look uh, at these statistics over and over again, uh, somebody shot somebody, somebody did something terrible, well, they're out on parole. They're guilty of another violent crime, but we're letting them out of jail. And that is a policy sweeping across the country, principally in in progressive cities. No bail, uh, no time served. We're letting people off uh, at a very low percentage of their their, uh, time that they are due uh, in jail. And these are terrible policies uh, that I think have created this environment. Uh, And secondly, or thirdly here, I'd say, I would add cooperating with the federal government. Uh, The city of Little Rock has the ability to work with the U.S. attorney here and uh, the uh, drug task force and uh, gun task force. And if you use a gun in this city, you can make it a federal crime and send people to federal penitentiary. And then the final comment I'd say about crime that I've worked so much on the seven years I've been in the House is just this uh, overflow of fentanyl and opiates and uh, drugs coming across the border and how that fuels a lot of the crime we see across our cities. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just reaching epidemic proportions. Yeah, what are we going to do about that, uh, Congressman? I mean, we've got the cartels now 
that are producing fentanyl that looks like candy. Sounds like to me they're marketing their uh, uh, their product to our to to the youngest of our youth and trying to get them hooked on it earlier. And, and if not get them hooked, you know, kill them. It's that simple. Well, that's right. I've seen it firsthand at Tijuana when I was there back in May at the border crossing in San Diego, uh, all pressed into little blue pills and bags ready for sale on the street. You don't know what it is. You may think it's uh, just a, a methamphetamine upper or something that you're used to taking, and it's got fentanyl in it, and it's uh, lethal. Uh, and that's exactly what's uh, going on. Here's a question I have that I do not have the answer to yet. Well, the DEA and the federal government have a relationship with the Mexican government, even this Mexican government, which is a socialist, Marxist, liberal government. Why don't we, we know where these pill factories are. Surely we do. And why don't we collectively go in and, and they uh, get rid of them and send a message to the cartel, we're not going to put up with that. And uh, I don't have the answer to that question, but it's a key question I have. We've done that. We did that for years in Colombia, obviously, in a joint partnership between the Colombian government and the U.S. government. Of course, now that's going the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, Colombia is getting ready to make cocaine legal. Yeah, I just think we're headed. uh, We have a liberal government that just won in Colombia that I'm very scared of as it relates to the impact on uh, China's influence in the region and drug exports and worse human trafficking pressure on the southern border. And then we have this this collapsing government in Mexico. You saw what happened in the northern states where the cartel just uh, showed, let me show you how smart and how clever and how powerful we are. And they basically shut down uh, the border crossing to San Diego and set cars on fire and created mayhem. Mm -hmm. So this is a serious issue. It's a national security issue. It's a it's a it's an issue that's putting felons and criminals and uh, on our streets and making things uh, worse than they already are due to the previous reasons we talked about. Is a lot of those reasons because the Mexican government is, I mean, corrupt? I think, well, we know the Mexican government across it is uh, is corrupt. Uh, but in the past, the federal government in Mexico City, I think, has worked to cooperate with the U.S. on border issues, water issues, drug issues, cartel issues, uh, trade issues, obviously. And what I'm arguing is that's fallen apart here in the Biden administration. Uh, they've not made, a, made it a priority at all. When, when do you see any speeches about Joe Biden? on policy with Mexico or drugs in the border. You won't. I mean, has he gone? Has he even addressed it? Has he personally engaged on it? And he has a complete incompetent person running Homeland Security, Mayorkas, who should be removed from office. He should resign. He should be subject to intense oversight that gets him to resign if the House is taken back by Republicans. So uh, it's just malpractice uh, in how we're handling the border. And I think our bilateral relationships with Mexico. All right. Congressman, thanks for the time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now. Congressman Fred Chill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll take a break here in just a moment, and then we'll come back and talk to Congressman Westerman. He'll have a lot of the same questions, but he always has a little bit different answer than when Congressman Hill has. Hey, let me remind you, 9 o'clock, when I'm back for that final hour of the show today, 
that uh, State Representative Robin Lundstrom will join us, and we'll be talking to her uh, about a lot of issues on the state level and uh, what she sees happening uh, when the Republicans get together starting January 9th of next year for the next uh, general session. So that's coming your way. She's one of the, the real conservatives up there at the uh, the state capitol. So we'll be talking to her on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Billy Mack. Billy Mack is ready to help you protect your home, secure your home. I know. I'm on his, his uh, program now. Uh, his people came out to my house a few months ago. Put in uh, sensors on all the doors and windows of the house. Put uh, a couple of cameras up in my house. And uh, now I have the advantage of using the analytics uh, from uh, his uh, particular uh, uh, computer programs that will let me know that, you know, you look at your smartphone, uh, that it's a, a person, uh, an animal, or a car that uh, may have triggered Uh, the devices you have to protect your home or your business because he does both all right this is a guy that his business icu protection takes care of uh, nuke one and you know if you can take care of nuke one you can take care of people's houses and uh, businesses so i want you to call billy mack i want you to talk to him uh, because not only is he going to make your house safe Make your business safe, but he's going to save you a lot of money because you pay for the service. You do not pay for the hardware. You don't pay for any of those sensors on your doors or your windows. You don't pay for any of the cameras, any of that. That is all absorbed by ICU protection. Uh, Pay for the service, but not the hardware. Call them 501-205-1333. 501 205 1333. It works like a charm. I've uh, really been impressed by how good his security system works. I, uh, I'll be sitting in the living room and uh, something will pop up on uh, my uh, security system and it had pictures like uh, on one side of my house. And it may be, look, it might just be a squirrel running across the yard, okay, that tripped it. But Bottom line, I can see it as clear as a bell because these are 1080p cameras. These are not cheap cameras. They are very, very good cameras, and they give you really good visual information. 501-205-1333. That is ICU protection. And uh, I've been asked, Dave, yeah, they don't charge you for the uh, uh, for the hardware what do they do? They absorb it into the cost, right? And I go, nope, nope. As far as absorbing it into service, putting it in there, and you pay for it that way, nope. It's not the way it works. I can tell you right now, uh, when you see what Billy Mack charges for his service on a monthly basis, it is very competitive, if not lower, than everybody else that is out there. So uh, keep that in mind as, as well. He's not making you skimp on anything to be part of ICU protection. So call Billy Mac today. Do it today. Tomorrow may be too late with the way crime is going. Call him today and talk to his people about today. 
All right, Dave Ellswick Show. We're waiting for a call from Congressman Westerman. Not hearing from him yet. Uh, I just texted him. I have not heard back from him on my text, so uh, we'll see uh, what's going on. Uh, as far as I knew, he was supposed to be here today to talk to us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But as of yet, uh, no cigar, so to speak, as far as that goes. By the way, I've already been in touch with uh, uh, Congressman Hill, uh, Senator Bozeman. Uh, I've uh, sent out messages uh, also to uh, uh, Congressman Westerman. In uh, September, on the 21st and 22nd, I'll be in Washington, D.C., broadcasting live for the Hold Their Feet to the Fire uh, media get-together. There's about 35 of us to do this every year, and we've been doing it for, you know, 15 years. We've been at it for a long time. And if you want to keep up with what's going on on the border— uh, this will be a time to make sure you listen to my show uh, and uh, listen to the guests that come on. And we're going to be joined by, of course, our our congressional cont- uh, contingent. They're going to come by. We're just about two blocks away from the Capitol when we're doing this uh, at the Phoenix uh, Hotel. For you who may know uh, Washington a little bit, uh, the Phoenix is uh, literally two blocks from the front of the Capitol and about a block and a half uh, down the road from Union Station. So uh, they'll be uh, coming over and, and doing the show with me early in the morning, and I'll be looking forward to it. Uh, uh, Westerman and uh, Hill will be on on Wednesday. Uh, which is the 21st of uh, the the event uh, during their normal times here at uh, 7 until 8 o'clock. And uh, Senator Bozeman is going to join me on uh, Thursday, and uh, that will be in the 9 o'clock hour here locally that he'll join me uh, on uh, Hold Their Feet to the Fire. And then during the rest of the show, we'll have all kinds of guests that deal with what's going on in the border. You're going to hear from sheriffs. You're going to hear from Border Patrol people. You're going to hear from former heads of the Border Patrol. Uh, you're going to hear from a lot of different people about what's happening there. I heard uh, a story this morning that uh, some children died uh, yesterday uh, as their parents were trying to illegally uh, cross uh, you know, the river to get into the United States and uh, you know, I mean, the Rio Grande doesn't look like it's flowing really hard, but it, uh, it's it got a pretty good current to it. And a mother yesterday had been uh, trying to get to uh, this side of, of the border uh, for her family and had her five-year-old in her arms. And uh, the water, uh, the current ripped the child out of her arms. And the child drowned. And then another child, two-month-old baby, uh, was lost by its mother and uh, drowned as well. And and I don't know about you, but I keep hearing that we're treating, uh, you know, these border policies that Biden has instituted down there. It's a, a more humane way of dealing with things. I don't think this is a more humane way. Of, of doing this and people dying on the border and border patrol agents being, you know, under duress because they're being swamped by the number of illegals that are coming across the border. You know, this is stuff that, well, it's got to stop. 
It's, it's, just, it's that simple. It's, it has got to stop, and it's not going to stop under this administration. He's, uh, the policies that he has tells the people that are coming from Central America, coming from Mexico. I mean, they're coming from Guatemala. They're, com- they're coming from Cuba. They're coming from Venezuela. They're coming from as far away as Brazil. Some people that they found, they found uh, one uh, uh, dead uh, illegal and found out they were from the Netherlands. Think about that for a moment. And uh, that's not to even mention the people that are coming from China and every place else and flooding into our country. And we don't know who they are. A lot of these people, we don't know where they're from. And uh, we have done some checking on some of the people that we've apprehended, the gotaways, you know, the people that that we capture. And we find out that they've already been, you know, thrown out of the country, and uh, they're pedophiles, and they're terrorists, and they're murderers. And uh, those kind of people, the only way you stop those kind of people from getting into this country is to stop everybody. I mean, you gotta, you just gotta make sure that everybody that's coming uh, is worthy to be coming over here to the United States. It's our home. We have the right to say who gets to enter into our home. All right, quarter to eight. Uh, looks like uh, Congressman Westerman may not be able to make it today. If that's the case, we'll pick up with him again next week. But right now, we got to get a break in. Let's do that, and we got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one one FM, the answer. Look, I got to tell you what I was watching a little bit about the uh, primaries last night. And down in Florida, I saw Charlie Crist is going to take on uh, DeSantis for governor. Charlie Crist has been, you know, he's kind of going to be the sacrificial lamb. And he's got to know that. DeSantis is loved down in the state of Florida. And he'll crush uh, you know, uh, Charlie Chris. And I don't even know this person who's running uh, uh, for the Senate uh, from the Democrat side, but they're in the same predicament. The, the people love uh, Rubio down there. So expect that uh, Rubio will win easily on his reelection bid uh, for the Senate and that DeSantis will win uh, his uh, big uh, election down in Florida, uh, I expect that both of them, it would be an early call, uh, to be uh, honest with you. will not be uh, that big of a deal for them to, to take care of it. All right, uh, Dave Ellswick Show here on uh, 101.1 FM. The answer, again, coming up at 9 o'clock, we're going to talk to uh, Robin Lundstrom. Uh, from the uh, Republican Party. She's a state uh, legislator. We'll be talking to her about uh, what's going on here in the state, what she's expecting at the beginning of of uh, next year as far as when the General Assembly gets together, what they will uh, be doing. Uh, Dr. Oz's campaign is uh, going at uh, Fetterman, who he's running against. He's down about four points right now. Uh, I don't buy into what I'm seeing in the polls right now. I talked a little bit about this with uh, uh, Congressman French Hill. And uh, everybody talking about uh, people are going to go to the polls and vote for Democrats. I just do not see that happening. 
And I'm pretty pretty right about this. Uh, I call it when the Republicans are in the driver's seat. I call it when uh, uh, the folks are are in the driver's seat as far as uh, the uh, you know the the races as well. And right now, Republicans are in the driver's seat. I mean, they're running with the wind heavily at their back. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, you know." You know, they got to be doing this, or they got to be doing that. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, if if they just stick to their guns and say, if we want, as we heard uh, uh, Congressman Hill talk about, you want to get help bring down crime, then you got to fund the police. you got to do the things that are necessary to make people not want to commit crimes. One thing that he brought up, and I'm going to look into it uh, during the time I get my hour uh, available to me. I'm going to send him a, uh, an email. And uh, he said that uh, the state legislature uh, and city governments as well can take uh, people who use guns and crime. They can make that a federal crime. Now, if that's the case... I think they should do it as quickly as they possibly can because uh, you talk to people who have been in jail uh, for and, and have used a, a firearm, uh, the last place they want to end up in is a, is a federal courtroom because if you're found guilty, you're going to serve 85% of your sentence in a federal uh, uh, you know, uh, prison. Uh, that's not the case with state prison. How you do thirty percent, you're you're doing good. In uh, a lot of times in the state prison, and we've got it, it, it behoves us and in our legislators uh, to get serious and uh, put these criminals in a situation where uh, they're going to be put into prison and they're going to be kept there. And uh, I think there's probably more beds available on the federal level than there are on the state level. That's the other problem we got here in the state. I I hope that we'll see the uh, state legislature uh, get together next year and uh, they will find a way to build another prison here in in Arkansas and uh, be a place where they put the bad people. I mean, the really bad people. I mean, I had Tim Griffin on, the lieutenant, uh, uh, lieutenant governor, not too long ago, and we talked about that. And he said, you know, you hear about these people coming out uh, from these uh, different, uh, you know, prisons and stuff with uh, hardly any time served. It's because we don't have enough beds available. So let's make it so we have those beds to be to be used and by putting them in those beds by making more beds available and the governor has put some money towards that uh, you have the opportunity uh, to as well make it set set up so that uh, you know those people can't be let out on the street and secondly uh, you get the people that were in your county prison uh, taken to the state prisons where they belong because you've transferred some of those people in the state prison, moves them so they're in federal prison. And so you get other uh, people that are 
just walking around and waiting for their trial or whatever, uh, you know, walking free, that's got to stop. All that's got to stop. The parole, the way the parole is set up, it's got to stop. And it's going to be up to uh, our legislators to, to take care of that. We'll talk with uh, Robin Lundstrom about that. That's uh, Crime is going to be a big issue I would like to talk to her about because I think many of you feel the same way I do. Uh, it's now leaking out into the... Uh, the television media, they've been kind of covering it up, I believe, not reporting on it. Uh, and that's up to people who are uh, at the very top of the food chain. Don't blame the reporters. Some of them might have some good stories and just told, eh, don't pursue that. You know, go talk about the, the local free bath for the dogs uh, to get rid of fleas or whatever, when they should be talking about how to get rid of the fleas in the city, uh, dealing with crime and, and criminals. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of people now saying that what's going on now is what uh, we saw back in the 90s, you know, banging in the rock. That special that HBO did might have to... Um, might I guess have have to have somebody come in and and do another segment on on Little Rock because it seems like the people that are at the top the only time that they take this stuff seriously is when it starts re- really reflecting negatively on the city. I mean, I, I I doubt if Little Rock is on too many people's uh, vacation list right now with the way things are going. I mean, when you got 11 shootings on a weekend, three deaths, and other, and then another three people shot and wounded in, in the hospital, that stuff gets out. That stuff is reported all over the place. And uh, that means uh, you know, people, when they're talking about, well, we want to do a big convention and uh, you know, meet, and Little Rock's not in the conversation for that. And you know, neither is Memphis, neither is Pine Bluff. You got to get crime under control and make an area safe, so that people know that they're going to be safe. I mean that that shooting that we just had down on President Clinton Avenue, that's not good. That made news everywhere. I mean, did you see some of the pictures? You know, uh, windows of of businesses, bullet holes in them, shot out. Pictures of offices, whiteboards, bullet holes in them. That's not going to endear you to people's plans of coming down on the weekend and, uh, you know, having a beer or something. People are going to think twice about doing that, especially when you got people just shooting up the city down there. When When I hear that kind of stuff... I, I think of the old Western movies on television where the cowboys come running into town and they're shooting up in the air. You know, they're on their horses and raising all kinds of guff. That's what I think about when I see that kind of stuff. It's, it's not having any control. And, and Mayor Scott has got a lot to answer about concerning that. And he needs to get serious about this. I bet you he don't ask about, can we make it a, a federal crime to be using a gun in a, in a crime. I don't see him asking that. He'd much rather these people be running around free. And he's talking about, see, I'm taking care of these people. They can't control themselves, or their daddies didn't do this with them, or their mommies didn't do that. Now, 
need to put their butts in jail and get them out of the out of the pool. That's what we got to do. All right, I'll talk to you again. We'll be back at nine o'clock and uh, talking to uh, Robin Lundstrom from up in Northwest Arkansas, state representative uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That's coming up. Be there for it. Talk to you. Nine o'clock hour back on the Dave Ellswick show. A Wednesday again, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, close to Friday than we were on Monday. And I got one of my favorite legislators joining us here in the nine o'clock hour, State Representative Robin Lundstrom. Robin, how are you? Thanks for joining us and making time for us today. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing fantastic. Even though I've talked about things today that really tick me off. I am so tired of some of the stuff I see in the news anymore. But I want to talk about Arkansas. Uh, I had uh, state uh, or congressman, not state, congressman uh, Hill on today. And we were talking about crime here in the state and Crime here in the state of Arkansas is bad right now. Uh, it's especially bad here in the center of the state. And uh, I was talking about uh, the use of guns. I mean, we had 17 shootings on one weekend. We had three deaths. Three other people were wounded and, and taken into the hospital. And uh, I said, it's time that we got really, really serious about that. And he made the statement that one of the things that could be done is that uh, Little Rock could, uh, instead of being uh, looking at the use of guns and a crime just as a state problem, make it a federal offense to use a gun and a crime, and you end up getting sent to federal prison. And I do know this. Uh, people who get busted for crimes here in Little Rock do not want to go to a fed prison because you probably won't be anywhere in Arkansas. You'll be up somewhere in North Dakota or Alaska or something where, you know, it's colder than you know what during the winter time, And uh, you're going to do 85 percent of your sentence. You're not going to go through the revolving door that we've got here in the state. Well, I think you hit on the main point. Federal prison... Uh I could care less whether they go to federal prison, but I do think we need to have our sentencing match the federal sentencing, have it be exactly the same. You do 85%. We have the same problem here in Washington County. Somebody will be arrested, and they'll ask, am I going to do state sentencing or federal sentencing? If they do state sentencing, they shrug their shoulders. It's a cost of doing business. Now wait, wait, let me stop you there. They actually ask, is this going to be a state offense or a federal offense? Yes, and most already know it, which it is. Criminals aren't stupid. They're just criminals. Okay. This is the cost of doing business. Um, so, some yes, they ask. And um, 
is this federal, does this rise to federal? And then they get upset if it rises to federal. And if it's the state, they go, oh, okay. How's your, how's your family? You know, what's next? Three cots in a hot. This is, we have to make it so that it's a painful process. You don't want to come back to prison. So, um, and I think building the new prison is going to help. But um, this, this is a whole new level of, we're going to have to attack this on a lot of different fronts. All right, well, let me ask this question. You just said that that's what the new prison will do. Are you pretty sure that the Republicans are going to make that that dive? Are they, instead of just expanding beds, they're going to actually build a new prison in the state? I don't think we have any other choice. Um, I I don't think our backs are against the wall. We probably, probably should have done it 10 years ago and added on. And we've got to make, but we can't just do prisons. We're going to have to do some other things as well. We're going to have to, uh, if we're going to do our sentencing to make it match federal, that means more people are going to go to prison. So we're going to have to have some place to put them. But we also need to have um, things to do with folks after they get out of prison. Uh, We ran a bill last time to have an incentive for business to hire formerly incarcerated. That's good. That's a good idea. It is. Unfortunately, it crashed and burned in the Senate. Um, I'm hoping to run that same bill again. And what it would look like is if you're an employer and you hire someone who's formerly in, not not just in the drunk take on Friday night, you can't hire your cousin Bubba on Monday morning and get a tax, <laughs> dollar for dollar tax credit. Gotcha. Um, it's got to be somebody that's actually done prison time. And at the anniversary of the first year, you get a $3,000 tax dollar-for-dollar tax credit at the end of the first year, and at the end of the second year, you get a $2,000 tax credit, and at the end of the third year, a $1,000 tax credit, because in Arkansas, we have a, in three years, when you get out of prison, we have a 52% recidivism rate. So, it's a revolving door, and we've got to find a way to help, and the number one way to help is to help people get jobs. But businesses, it's a lot of work to onboard an employee, and it's an even bigger task. Someone who's been in prison for a while is not going to have the exactly good habits, best habits in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but what they have found is when someone does get a job and they keep the job for a little while, formerly incarcerated, don't want to go back to prison and make great employees. So let's let's find some happy medium to help reward the businesses that take the risk. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, I have no problem with what you're talking about. It makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, if you can't get a job, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to where you made your money at before, it would seem to me. Sure, and every prison bed costs the state taxpayer $30,000 a year. That doesn't go into the cost on child support and all the other things that go along with that person being in prison. But when that person gets out of prison and they get a job, immediately you've got child support, you've got rent payments, you've got tax dollars coming in because when you have a job, you're paying your bills, or at least we hope you are. So there's all kinds of things that we can do on the other end, but it's got to have some strings and carrots and sticks. Yeah, I agree. You got you got to give them incentives and 
then you got to get these in. Senator Johnson brought me a uh, a form one time. I got it hanging up here in the uh, the studio uh, to my right, and it says, and I'll read it to you. It says, "Life is just a series of incentives and disincentives." And uh, you want people to follow the incentives. That's what you want them to do. Sure. That's part of parenting, just general parenting. And and you look back at the history of a criminal, and you look, the first thing that pops up, absence of a father, absence of parenting. There's all kinds of things. But at some point, you're no longer a, a victim of your circumstances. You're creating other victims. Mm-hmm. You're the criminal. So there has to be justice there has to be restitution and then you've got to put them back on the path to righteousness and if they choose not to it needs to make prison an unpleasant place to go and we've got to do it i don't think we have any choice to go back to your original question we're up against the wall here and when you look at the most dangerous cities in the u.s on the top 10 is little rock arkansas well, Pine Bluff has got Pine Bluff's got to be there somewhere. I mean, we I think we well, got a couple of the most dangerous cities in the country here. We do, but you, I'm looking at size. Oh, okay. When you look at large, larger areas, when you break it down to smaller areas, yes, Pine Bluff with Memphis, we're not we're not doing well. Yeah, I agree. And part of that is we've got to be able to hire more police officers and pay them a decent wage. You can't reduce your police force and then suddenly expect lower crime. Well, I'm going to tell you, doesn't work. tell you what, Robin, what we really need is we need voters to put uh, Republicans in charge of a lot of these cities and quit doing this crazy blue stuff that they're doing in the cities right now. And that's just my thought. But uh, well, we we got to figure out have, to do that. When you have the top 14 uh, most dangerous cities in the country, and 11 of those 14 are run by Democrat mayors, Democrat prosecutors. It it does tend to make one go, hmm, maybe there's a problem here. <laughs> yeah. You think? You, you know, think? You think? Yeah, I agree with you. Our guest is uh, State uh, Representative. Robin Lundstrom, she's up in northwest Arkansas. They're they're facing a lot of the same problems there that we face here in central Arkansas. Uh, she has been, as I have said many a time, and I'll say it when she's on the air and when she's not on the air. She's a, she's a voice of reason and common sense uh, in the in the state house, and she's one of the best conservatives we've got serving there in in the. Uh, uh, the representative side of the House, and she's done a tremendous job. She's been my number one conservative for two for two general sessions in a row. We'll see if she can do it for three when they get started on the ninth in January, uh, when that gets going. But uh, you just do it. You come with you come with solutions and not just. Uh, you know problems robin that's that's what's important and and i've been i've been preaching that for a long time too what are we as a party going to do if we're in charge and uh, right now the people of arkansas are agreeing that the republican party should be in charge what are we going to do other than what the other party's been doing to make things better and we're talking about one of those important things right now which is which is crime as far as the prison would go how would you see it would you see it as like a maximum security for for the really bad offenders that's where they go yes definitely 
it needs to be a maximum security prison. And in the process of being in prison, a lot of people don't realize this. You, some prisoners, they can't read. They literally, their reading level is on a second or third grade level. No. That's not good. No. So there are things we can do while people are in prison to help them become better citizens when they're out of prison. Getting a driver's license, learning to read, getting them prepared. And I'm not talking about fluffy bunny type programs, let's all get together and sing Kumbaya, but real life skills type programs, GED. Um, some of our prisons in Arkansas do have, a, one of them has a Botech school. So you can get ready to go back to society. Um, also has furniture building. Hmm. Can you imagine what that would mean to have some spring skills so that when you get out, maybe you have some welding, plumbing, electrical, furniture, manufacturing skills. So when you go back to society, you have a marketable skill. Well, you can make yes. a good living doing blue-collar work. Oh, well, and if you look at the demographics in that area, there are more plumbers retiring than coming online. So your plumbing bills are going to go up, and plumbing is a great occupation. I love my plumber. When it comes to my air conditioning in my bathroom, I love my plumber. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there you go. It's the same with welding. Same oh, yeah. HVAC, electrical, all those demographics. We're losing those occupations. Those folks are retiring. They're in their 55s and 60s. That big population is about to retire, and there aren't replacement folks coming on. Yeah, and, and what are and what are those kids? What have those kids been taught? Well, you don't want to be a plumber. You want to go to college for four years and be an archaeologist. Yeah, something that isn't <laughs> going to pay you twice. Yeah, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hey, we got to get our first break in. It's it's 19 minutes after nine. We've already gone through 20 minutes of the show. It's amazing. Uh, we got to take a break. Our guest is, of course, State Representative Robin Lundstrom. You'll hear her a lot on this show because I think she's got a lot to say and that people should listen uh, to what she's saying. So we'll come back, continue on. I want to talk to her a little bit more about crime. I want to talk about education. And uh, we got to talk a little bit about marijuana because it's going to be on the, uh, the it's going to be on the, the ballot this year uh, we had Jerry Cox on yesterday and there's a lot in that bill that I do not like and I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you there's some real problems with it and we're going to talk about that uh, here as well plus I want to hear what the uh, the representative has to say about some of the things she wants to put forth uh, when we get to the new session in 2023 don't forget about hillcrest jewelry Uh, hillcrest designer jewelry will take good care of you if you're looking for uh, unique jewelry you'll find it with eric coleman he's the owner of the the business he is a real artisan you want to get a a ring for your wife or your husband you want it to to reflect on their personality you talk to eric and he'll work with you from a to z on this he can he's got a a computer that will help you design the ring make the uh the wax impression of the of the the ring you tell him what kind of gemstones you look for is it colored diamonds is it rubies is it you know emeralds you know what is it that you got is it uh, star sapphires uh he's got a lot of loose stones that you can choose from and he can make a ring for them that is unique to them 
and reflects their personality. On top of that, he's got a lot of other uh, jewelers that display their wares in his store. You can look at them and uh, pick something out there. I did last year. I got my wife one of those, uh, uh, what do they call it, Uh, it's a a necklace uh, that I got. It was platinum gold, and it's it's really pretty, and I picked it up uh, from uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, and you'll save money by going to Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. You go get a... uh, Let's say a, an engagement ring, and uh, just buy one right there off the shelf that he's got uh, that you can buy. You'll save about 20% under what the other jewelry stores are charging for the exact same thing at their stores. Uh, Eric takes good care of his customers, and he does everything that you need done uh, for your jewelry. He'll clean it for you. He'll repair it for you. He does everything. In fact, when I talk repair, I always like to tell people those big jewelry stores around, they take their stuff to Eric for him to fix it. That's right. Eric is a real jeweler. 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Call him 501-246-3655. Eric Coleman, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. We continue the Dave Ellswick Show on a Wednesday uh, edition. Tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour, it's be, this is becoming must-listen-to radio this hour uh, with the people that I have joining me. Uh, Jimmy's going to be back. He'll bring you up to date about what's going on here in the city of Little Rock as uh, he continues to struggle to get them to uh, release FOI material, which they're refusing to do. And he had a uh, drop-dead date on some material, and we'll find out tomorrow, perhaps, if he's taking it to, to the prosecutor to bring charges against somebody about that. 926, our guest is uh, Robin Lundstrom. She is a state representative from up in uh, northwest Arkansas. Uh, she's a great lady. She's a good thinker, and she's got some, some good ideas of how to, to address things. And that's what Republicans have to do now. They They've got to govern. They've got to show ways of doing things positively to move this state forward, and a lot of a lot of things can happen. Uh, I think we're all excited about Sarah getting in as as governor. I I speak as though she's going to be governor because I don't think that uh, Chris Jones can can beat her. He, I mean, I'm not uh, saying anything bad about Chris except that he doesn't have as good of uh, programs as what what Sarah has. And uh, there's there's a ton of uh, Republicans ready to do uh, do a lot of work starting uh, in 2023. Let's finish up talking mm-hmm. about crime. Uh, we we talked about. Of course, building another prison. That's important. I think that's really important. Uh, You talked about some of these programs where people who get out of prison, uh, you know, people give them a job. Uh, They can the the job uh, makers can can get some uh, money for hiring these people uh, and taking the chance on them. And I think that's a great idea. What about some of these faith-based programs, Robin, who work with people uh, that are addicted to substances and they have really good, uh, you know, you know, roads of success with these people. Do you think that the, that the government should get involved a little bit more with them instead of trying to reinvent the wheel? I think those programs should be in the prison. I don't know that government needs to get involved in faith-based 
faith-based programs, um, sometimes when the government gets involved, we manage to screw things up more than we manage to fix things. Um, so if they're successful, maybe just opening the door and allowing them to come into the prison is the most important. And, and some have them. We just may need more of them. And I think that's that's probably the best way to put that. I'm, I'm always skeptical when we get too deep in the weeds in faith-based issues. Okay. I, I want to make sure that we don't, government doesn't tell faith how to do their business. Um, I was doing some research on crime, and I tripped over a real interesting statistic on the, with COVID, you know, we saw the spike in crime increase. We saw a drop in church attendance. So I went and looked at church attendance and crime, and what do you know? The drop in church attendance in the last 10 years has also showed a spike in crime. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things that are going on in our society, whether it's fathers not in the home or church attendance not having that moral compass. There's a lot of things that government can't address or shouldn't be in, but we need to tackle as individuals, as parents, as, as a society or as a community that we need to just be real honest with ourselves and say, yeah, Houston, we have a problem. All right. And look at what the problem is that sometimes the person's staring at us in the mirror. All right, we got we got to, we got to take a break for news, and I'm going to bring you back, and I'd like to talk a little bit about parole. Then I want to shift into education. You up for that? I am up for that. All right, well, let's do that. State Representative Robin Lundstrom is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She'll be with us until the top of the hour, and uh, we'll see some other thoughts that she has. I do want her to talk about some of the things that she's looking to try to get out and really get underway uh, in the new session that will be coming up in the beginning of the year. And then we'll talk a little bit about November with her as well. All that's coming your way right after this here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's get back to talking with uh, State Representative Robin Lundstrom. Robin, uh, last question dealing with crime parole seems to be a, a problem here in the state. Uh, how do you go about changing those laws then? I, I know that I'm not, a spe- I'm not a specialist of what to do with parole, but uh, there's something that's got to happen. Who are the people that you call upon to come and testify about what are some things you all you know, might be looking at? Well, I know there's one particular issue that's been very frustrating, and we are addressing that now, and it's going to obviously take some money to fix, and that's something that we are looking at, and that is when someone musters out of prison, they immediately owe fines and fees and restitution, and it is difficult to pay those fines and fees and the restitution because it might be in one county and another county, and all those counties, our 75 counties, are not tied together. So you might owe something in Washington County and Jefferson County, but think you've paid everything off and you're on your way and find out years later you still owe a fine fee and restitution in another county. We don't have a system that is linked together. Okay. We're working on that right now to link all that together and to make sure restitution is paid first, the court fines and fees. And if someone's able to pay those, we can't even do that. In some counties you can't do that on credit card. You have to physically drive to that county. So imagine you're taking off work once a month to go pay your fines and fees. That doesn't work. It needs to be online. It needs to be simple. And it needs to be where if they want to have their wages garnished, even 10 or 20 bucks a month, the, the fines stop. The, the interest rate on those fines stop. If they're paying, let's, 
get it up, get it done, get the restitution done. But some of these folks will have ten or twenty thousand dollars in fines and fees. They will never see that all done. Okay. In a lifetime. So we've got to make it so that they can get their lives back and pay off their debt to society. Not get a free pink slip. And you know, you're done. You're out of here. But actually see the end of the tunnel and make sure that restitution is paid first. You know, going back to the first subject we talked about, which was building a prison here in the state, in building a prison, will that help address some of the problems of, of parole here in the state as well? Well, anytime you reduce the number of prisoners, that's going to help. But building a prison is just going to help deal with the problem right now. Um, I don't know that that's going to reduce the number of parolees. If you have more prisoners, you're going to have more parolees. Mm-hmm. Um you also have to have more parole officers to deal with it. Some of these parole officers will have 60 or 70 individuals that they're tracking. That's a lot. And unfortunately, a lot of people just ghost. So you'll have thousands of people that have just left prison, and you never hear back from them. You know, that creates a whole other level of issues. So we've got some problems, and they're problems that we just keep kicking the can down the road. It's not that anybody doesn't care it's just they're so overwhelming they just don't know where to start and it might just be you know you take bite of elephant one bite at a time that's how you eat the elephant and we've got to address it not only from the criminal part but restitution the fines the fees the parole it's a whole kaleidoscope of issues but we've just got to put on our big girl pants and go after it all right and i think sarah sarah huckabee sanders is going to do a lot of that and she's got the house and the senate behind her um, and we have a lot of good members that are already working on these issues. It's it's a team effort. Now, that's fantastic. All right, let's talk a little bit about education. Uh, I know that I'm excited about education because I believe that the new governor uh, really wants to get underway with this whole idea of universal school choice and uh, education, uh, you know, uh, savings accounts and all the rest that they're talking about. Uh, we could see education kind of transform before our eyes next year. Uh, would you Would you agree with that, or do you think it's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight uh, when the when the session gets going? I think it'll be a knockdown, drag out fight, which is kind of sad because we need to be more customer oriented. Um, and competition-oriented, we don't need to be afraid of competition in education. We're not afraid of competition when it comes to our cell phones, our cars, or any other. I compete every day in my business. I'm not afraid of competition. It makes me a better landlord, and that's okay. I think that's when it comes to education. Our number one asset is our teachers. You can compete saying we have X number of teachers with this amount of experience, um, we're able to offer this type of program. They become the rock stars of the school. We should never be afraid of competition in education. But, yes, it will be a fight, and it will be a fight with the hierarchy in education, not with your, not with the teachers on the ground that are actually doing the work. And when you have competition in education, you can lower the number in the classroom. You can say we do have discipline. We are requiring this, that, or the other thing. We, we can do this. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. I talked to Mary Bentley about this, and let me ask you this question. A lot of people don't even realize how we we pay the money that goes into education, about the matrix and how it works. But uh, she made the statement on my show a few weeks back that she's voted for every teacher raise that the Republicans have brought forth and that uh, then found out later 
that uh, superintendents and others, because of the way the money is laid out in the matrix, hasn't passed that money on to the teachers. And she believes the matrix has to be changed to make sure money that is set aside and goes directly to the teachers to increase their salaries. Is that something you're concerned about as well? I am. I think it's incredible that before the Republicans took over the first budget run in 2016, there hadn't been a pay increase in years and years and years, and there had been a pay increase in 2016, 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. So there are some schools that aren't funneling it down. There are some schools that are, and they're seeing that they can compete and get teachers from other districts. Again, competition is still happening. We just need to make sure that whatever education dollars are going to the districts are getting down to the teachers, but the boots on the ground. Um, some districts are, and and they're being competitive, and they're hiring those teachers away. Yeah, and I think that uh, that information to the teacher, uh, the school systems that are doing it right, should be shared with every school system in the state, so they understand. That by uh, following, uh, if you follow the money, as we try to do, if you pay the money where it's supposed to go, good things happen. Yep, capitalism works every time it's tried. Absolutely, it it does. All right, enough about education. Uh, On the... uh, the ballot coming up here in November, the Supreme Court has said uh, that the marijuana initiative should be on the ballot. It doesn't mean that the votes will get counted at the end, but it does mean that it's going to be on the ballot. And I, you know, I'll be honest with you, being a baby boomer, an ounce of marijuana to me is nobody should go to jail about that. But the way that this piece of, uh, I, don't, I want to say legislation, that's not what it is, this, uh, this thing that people are going to vote for for their, their constitution, the state of Arkansas, has a whole lot of bugs in it. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of things in it that are, are very questionable, like that uh, the state legislature has no say over anything that's in that particular initiative. Once it's passed by the people, you guys, it's hands off. You can't, you can't touch it at all. And I got real problems with that. I think that that in and of itself should uh, tell people don't vote for it. I, I couldn't vote for it if, if they say that you guys can't do anything. So, and, and here's what's scary. On the first marijuana purchase of the Constitution, and that's the medical marijuana. And, and, I, and I say that completely out loud in front of God and everybody. This was a bought and paid for. Marijuana is buying our Constitution. And this is turning Arkansas into the wild, wild west. Every single state that has gone recreational marijuana has paid for it dearly with social issues, all kinds of complications. We don't need to go recreational marijuana. We have medical marijuana, and we're still trying to work out all the bugs and kinks on that initiative. So... They're purchasing this. They're using this to make money off of Arkansas citizens. Well, there's and no doubt. They know that it's a gold mine. Yeah. Today's paper, marijuana cocktail. Um, this isn't. This is not about helping somebody that's got a medical issue. This is about a new recreational drug and trying to make it look legitimate when it's not. Not even close. Um, today's paper had a great article about marijuana cocktails 
And so you can be driving down the road, and and they're they're even advertising it as if it's better than beer and safer, less calories, all this other good stuff. Not a single thing is this is this is incredibly insane. Why would we do this to ourselves? If other states want to go bat stuffing crazy and do this, that's their issue. But we don't have to do that in Arkansas. But the marijuana industry that's pushing this is wanting to make money off of folks. Well, the the thing that bothers me most, it's written by uh, the people that are in the marijuana industry. And uh, it takes away a lot of of the legislative uh, ability of towns and and, uh, counties and states. Sure it does. And why would that be? Again, to benefit themselves but not benefit the citizens of Arkansas. Hmm. This is a complete loss of the citizens' ability to say, no, we regulate everything else when it comes to the sin type things, the cigarettes, alcohol, that type of thing. But this, they want no regulation at all. They want no safety measures at all to protect citizens. None. Well, they open it up and let's let's open game on citizens. Yeah, well, they want to tell you what you tax, how much you can tax it. In fact, sure they do. They they want complete control, and at the same time, again, they're they're infusing it in drinks, and that, that's just an advertising ploy that this is all okay. Mm-hmm. And they're marketing. This is going to be marketed to kids. When the medical marijuana bill passed, it was actually written where you could smoke anywhere you wanted to. You could smoke in a movie theater. You could smoke in public. We had to write. I was the one that, that wasn't just me, but ran the legislation to say you have you cannot smoke in marijuana in public. You could have been walking down the street and smoking pot, and that is so gross. Nobody wants to smell that. So they had it so open-ended, it was really recreational under the guise of being medical. So they're doing the same thing that they did last time. This is just a wash, rinse, and repeat. And But this time, they've gotten smarter. They've taken out any controls. Hmm. Last time, we were able to say no advertising to children, no gummy bears in the shape of anything that looks like a car or whatever. No, So no marketing to children. You couldn't smoke it in public. We were able to pull it back to be medical. If it's really medical, treat it like medicine. So we were able to put some parameters on this. Well, they got smart this time, and they're taking out all that. So the citizens will have absolutely no control, and Arkansas will be just an ashtray. And I'm sorry, my state's not an ashtray for pot. Well, it's like I said yesterday with Jerry Cox. I mean, the devil is always in the details, and the details I learned yesterday did not please me uh, at all. So uh, this is something we'll be talking more more about because it's going to be on the ballot, and people need to be need to make themselves uh, educated on what is in the legislation. All right, uh, we're going to come back, finish up our conversation with Robin Lundstrom. Robin, when we come back, what is it you want to do? We're going to we're going to open up the the line to you and say, OK, what is it are really important issues that you want to deal with? We'll talk about them when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick show. Got about no, 11 minutes until 10 o'clock. So we'll talk to the state legislator a little bit more here on the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget about East End Towing. East End Towing wants you to know no matter the situation you find yourself in, they can help you. You just need to call them. Call East End Towing at 501-888-8849. That's 501 888 
8849 Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board licensed and insured tows and each of their trucks is permitted. That's East End Towing. That number again, when you need their help, 501-888-8849. Back for the final segment here of the Dave Ellswick Show on a Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Don't forget tomorrow at 9 o'clock, Jimmy will be back, and we'll be talking to him about his, uh, well, I guess wrestling match that he's got going on with the city of Little Rock dealing with FOI materials. Let's understand FOI is there for transparency. And uh, when people aren't being transparent, you got to wonder why they're doing what they're doing. Let's get back talking to uh, Robin Lundstrom, state representative, North uh, West Arkansas. Robin, what are some of the things that you've got cooking on the uh, on the stove that you're wanting to get done uh, next year? Well, obviously jail reform um, for helping prisoners when they come out. Um, I'd like to see that bill pass plugged in businesses. Government isn't always the solution. I think helping businesses hire inmates, it reaches two problems. Uh, people need employees. They need good employees. And I think prisoners that have been formerly incarcerated need good jobs. So this is a marriage of two things. And, and I think those businesses need to be rewarded for taking that risk. So I'm going to go take another run at that. Um, that's if I get reelected. I have, a, I have a race and I'm running and so I'm working hard on that. And then I also want to address some of the issues in Votech, and we have got to get a little more serious, or a lot more serious, about helping folks when they come out of school. If you want to go to a Votech and get a plumbing or HVAC or welding, we just are not prepared to educate our workforce and help these kids get sixty and seventy thousand dollar jobs to start. And and I think one of those keys is getting lottery scholarships money that helps pay for those Votech school. Hmm. Uh, and right now we don't have that. Um, we've got to have a ballot initiative, unfortunately, um, and I think the people of Arkansas would back it immediately. They get it. They get it every time on this kind of stuff. They see it every day, and so do I. So we're going to have to run a ballot initiative to include Votech schools in the lottery scholarship. Right. And I think there's some other things that we can do educationally to help we don't have teachers that are prepared to teach HVAC and welding in high school. So we're going to have to have some type of a speeded up or sped up, excuse me, uh, waiver process. If you are a engineer that's retired and you want to go back and teach in public school, you have to go through a very cumbersome waiver process to be an educator in a public school, and that's a shame. Uh, I have somebody in my district right now who's a retired NASA engineer who would love to teach, but he's got to go through a cumbersome waiver process. But we need to streamline that so we can get people that are coming out of business and industry into the classroom. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's a lot of things that we can do. Yeah, without without the government screwing it up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, instead of throwing things in people's ways, let's make it as easy as possible to do it. Well, and we've got some great people coming back that are working hard right now trying to put together streamlined, business-friendly packages that I'm just really proud of the class that it looks like we're going to have some people coming back that, that really care about what's going to happen next, where are we going in 10 years, when we're all gone, what can we 
what can we leave the state of Arkansas? How can we leave education better? How can we leave business stronger? So they're thinking long-term chess, not checkers. Good. I like that. I like that sound. Who's going to be your speaker? Well, Matt Shepard was elected, and he will be the speaker, and he's thinking forward as well. And Bart Hester will be the Senate pro champ, and he's working really well with Jimmy Hickey, who's the outgoing. And they're all looking at where do we need to go, what do we need to do to help Arkansas be in a great position. All right, great. I'll have to give uh, give Matt a call because I've had Bart on. I've I've known Bart since he got elected, and uh, good to see the people that got elected f- several years back now come to fruition and maturing and uh, taking positions of leadership. I'm excited about that, and I'm looking forward to seeing you January 9th over at the uh, Capitol. I'll be uh, over there doing the Dave Ellswick show several times during the course of the session, so I'll, I'll look forward to having you on uh, over in the Capitol because I've, I've got a real good feeling that the people in northwest Arkansas like this le- legislator that's called Robin Lundstrom. So uh, we'll get you back into the, the, the House and, and, and turn you loose again. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on, and I'm just tickled to be part of a good team. All right. Appreciate you, Robin. Thank you very much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. We'll let her go. And, uh, you know, great to have her on. And she is. She's one of the shining stars as far as conservatism uh, in the uh, Arkansas legislature. So I'll get Matt Shepard. I'll see if I can't get him on next Wednesday. And uh, the nine o'clock hour be overview of what the house is looking at uh, here coming up in less than less than six months. All right, November's less than six months, but more importantly, the first uh, you know get together of uh, the legislature is less than six months. January 9th is when it will all get underway. You want to keep up with what's going on over there? You just keep listening here. That's all you got to do. All right, we'll get underway at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll deal with the issues at the very first hour. We will talk uh, cars in the 7 o'clock hour. Joe and Duck are going to be here. And at 9 o'clock, Jimmy will be back, and we'll find out what's going on in Little Rock. We'll talk about that, too, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Join me then. You have a good afternoon. I'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m., right here at 1011 FM. The answer. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.